Welcome to What Are We Singing? I'm your host, Trent Walker. Guys, I'm so glad you're back. This is awesome. It's super fun to be doing this. Uh, today, I have a special friend of mine. His name's Sam Doherty. He is a deacon at his church in Central Michigan. It's a small church. And one of the main reasons that I wanted to have Sam on this podcast is simply because, well, for one, Sam's got a remarkable story about um, uh, in his life about, you know, being a volunteer in a church and really trusting in the Lord. Um, and it's really cool. I wanted you to hear that. But then for two, like I think deeply about why I'm doing this podcast and oftentimes, and maybe this is just me, but I, I tend to listen to podcasts or get uh, information from people. And I, and I always hear from the experts, if you can see my fingers putting air quotes up right now, and there are people that are like worship leaders or pastors at large ministries that this is all they do. And those people aren't necessarily the ones that are always getting in the nitty gritty with their congregation. Rather, I wanted to talk to somebody who doesn't work vocationally full time at the church, but still serves uh, in a huge way at his church. And in a small church, uh, usually you're doing everything. I wanted to hear from somebody like that. And I was this way when I first started in ministry. When I was in my 20s, I first took a job at a church in the D.C. area. We helped start a church from scratch. And it was a wonderful experience. It was great to learn church planting. But, you know, for six years in that ministry, I learned to do everything and this is something that I think is so lost among a younger generation that just thinks it's so easy to walk in and you lead worship and you sing a few songs and then you're done. Well, I wanted to hear from Sam because he carries an authority from somebody who knows what it takes to get things done. And he's an awesome man of God. Sam works full time at a ministry called Helmets to Hard Hats. It is a ministry for him where he can connect veterans with jobs. I just wanted to mention the company that Sam works for because I, I think it's worth mentioning and I just wanted to give a little kudos to that. Um, on top of the fact that I just wanted to give this intro to set up Sam because I have really only gotten to know Sam in the last year, even though he attended my church years ago. But as you'll find in the story up ahead that he'll tell like, it's amazing how God brings things around full circle. And I just, I've been so blessed to know Sam, so blessed to, to know this testimony in his life. And I pray that you'll be blessed with it too. So without further ado, let's meet Sam Doherty. First of all, before we jump in, I just wanted to say thanks because this is a treasure for me to be able to just see you again and catch up with you. And I wrote down a whole bunch of like things that I just wanted to kind of get your take on from the perspective of, you know, a lay leader in the church. And, you know, to be honest, not a huge church, a church that is mm -hmm. probably mostly like most of the churches in the U.S. <laughs> so it's like perfect, you know. Okay, great. Um just to begin, tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm Sam Doherty uh, here in Michigan uh, and uh, actually just South Central Michigan is where I live. And uh, I got an awesome wife. I introduced myself as Terry's husband because she really is <laughs> a rock for me. I and uh, I got a great grandkid that's three years old, a son that's uh, 29 and a daughter that's uh oh 24 25 something like that maybe more but uh and another grandkid on the way so i'm pretty excited oh, about that congratulations and, uh, thank you so you said you're I, in michigan. I didn't have much to do with it <laughs> <laughs> you said you're in michigan are you wolverines fan or a spartan uh, well i am in lansing right now so yeah i'm a sparty right now <laughs> oh you kind of have to say that if you're there otherwise you might get yeah you know, so, someone may hear me <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I love both teams. Root for Spartans first, typically. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've uh, got a lot of different things to do. You know, I was involved in our church. We have a small church in uh, Colin, Michigan. And, um, 
you know, I help mentor with worship there and fill in and deacon and so on. And the small church, you do a little bit of everything. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, also, uh, I'm a chainsaw carver, so I do sculpting with chainsaws and so on. And do you sell your uh, stuff online? Like, do people, are you like, do you have a place where people can get stuff for you or how does that work? I don't No, I don't right now. I just shut that down because, uh, what I do now is, you know, I'm a state rep for a veterans organization and I help veterans connect with uh, good jobs across the state. So it's got me pretty busy running around the state. So I had to kind of shut that down for a little bit. Oh yeah. Well, well, yeah. I think your work's great. I remember it was awesome. It's kind of cool. Thank you. So, and, um, um I, I don't know. I, you know, music has been a huge part of my life, worship especially. And uh, years ago, we used to travel around and play at different churches and do the old coffee heist house style stuff. With My wife would play the congas and I'd play the acoustic and we'd do this little hip thing and everybody would be snapping. I wasn't quite <laughs> like that, but. That's great. Yeah. I mean, what a wild and awesome experience I think every musician should have is is traveling around and trusting the Lord. Well, tell me a little bit, like, just because I know the story, but I'd love for our listeners to hear, like, just kind of give a overview. I mean, you don't need to, you know, we're not on a time crunch here, but like, okay. tell, tell everybody how, how, how we met, how you came to, to uh, <laughs> you came to my church. I was the worship leader yeah. Yeah. and uh, yeah. Okay. Like the whole story. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a good story. I think it's pretty okay. remarkable. I so, mean, if you don't mind, yeah. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I so, love it. It makes me look good, too. Well, it makes me look bad, <laughs> and then it makes me look good. <laughs> okay. If the background noise gets too much, let me know. I'll have to relocate here. But, okay. uh, yeah, so I, I had led worship um, for, you know, a few years at our church, and I felt like I was being uh, called away back to Battle Creek, and um, as I was attending different churches, I went to 13 different churches in Battle Creek, actually, looking for a new church. Wow, and, I didn't even know there uh, were that many churches there. <laughs> there's a lot of them, and I kept going back to uh, your church on Saturday nights because, hey, that was pretty cool to have a we place, especially Saturday. being involved to you know so much in the church, in a small church. And to be able to go somewhere where I could just worship and let go, you know, and uh, that's like how I kind of found Victory Life was that that Saturday night service was pivotal to me and so many other people serving in ministry that I had met there that I knew from other churches that were gone. Right. And um, yeah, so as I kept going around, I thought, hey, I really like it here. Lord, is this where you're calling me to? And uh Sure enough, uh, I found myself attending there, but there was a stipulation on that as I was in prayer. The Lord told me to stay out of leadership for one year. And uh, I had to get back to my roots, get back to the down and dirty. And why do I know what I know and how do I know what I know? And, um, you know, so many times as I found you know, was that sometimes things we hear aren't necessarily in scripture and so on. And um, you kind of get refocused, recentered. I guess you could say kind of a deconstruction in a positive way, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm a for, firm believer uh, in that. I think we all. Yeah. So I went back and, uh, of course, uh, you know, I'm, I'm attending, sitting, loving it. My wife and I are like, oh, my gosh, you had a big. Easter thing there with thousands of kids. I don't know. There were there were a lot of kids there. There How were many kids thousands. Would come to that? Thousands. thousands. Plural. And my wife and I were. It was well over three, four. I think maybe I think we had five thousand people. It was a lot. Wow. Because we had well, like yeah, yeah, we had like the we had the hot air we had the Tony the Tiger hot air the hot air yeah, balloon yeah. dropping eggs from that. And yeah. singing. Oh my gosh. I was just telling was, my boys, were you there? Um were you there when we did the whole ad campaign with the cartoon characters? I don't remember that. No. Oh, okay. I mean, well, that was the world I lived in. You know, we we did all the marketing and stuff right. for that. So I uh, it was my my first cartoon I ever made with my team. It was super fun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I could have I might have missed it. Sorry. It wasn't that impactful of my son. <laughs> Good. Well, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't i don't remember it otherwise i would but you know so we're going my wife and i are standing out behind the church while all the kids are out there and i lean over to my wife i said look at this 
all this happened and we didn't have to run it. We didn't have to do anything with it. And it's all yeah. happening. They're like, oh, it's so nice, you know, at yeah. the time. So uh, we were attending and basically not really involved uh, for a little bit. And um, after, I don't know, I went uh, a few months there. Uh, there was a call out for um, auditions for the worship team. And uh, so this is a critical part of my life, really. Actually, it was less than a few months. It was only after a month of being there. And I'm like, okay, Lord, this isn't really leadership. Maybe I could do this. I don't know. And so I submitted and so on. And I, I didn't hear anything. And um, we were at a men's breakfast. And uh, actually, you came up to me. And very graciously, um, you know, talked to me about it and said, you know, I, I'm not sure it's a great fit. And um not knowing much about what I was going through at the time. And um, I may not have even told you all this story. I think you and, did. And, uh, That's so, why I, say you, I look really bad for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, what? And, you know, I, I really got full of myself. I After leaving there, I was, I, I was really was driving, yelling at God, pounding my steering wheel going, I can't believe this. I could call two other churches and get on their team right now. I was like throwing a fit and all this stuff. And and all of a sudden I heard God look, just say, see, see, wow. I need you to step back. And I was like, whoa, where is that coming from? All this pride and everything else. And I had a huge awakening driving down the road, having God minister to me. Um, that I was off track and, uh, wow. you know, yeah, God used me and worked through me and worship and that, but I think I started to own a lot of that. And, um, that was part of what really needed to be tore out of me and to take another look from the outside at everything. And through the process of that, and I'm so grateful by the way, for you, um, you know, for you, and the way you handled that situation, you know, person to person, because um, it wasn't offensive to me at all. And this had really had nothing to do with you saying no to me. It was more or less God saying, you know, hey, this isn't what I called you here for. Wow. And um, so I, I I went into a freedom class they had back then. You remember that? Yeah. And they had that. And um, there were some pieces of that. There are some pieces of that really made me look deep into what's going on. Of course, another, again, everybody didn't know what's going on with me there. Nobody really knew me and how involved I was with the church for so many years. But there was a, again, just more deconstructing and tearing down and what's going on and really getting to the heart of a few things. You know, there are some things I liked, some things I didn't, but the pieces I liked that came out of that class I felt ministered to me really made a huge change. Yeah. Enough so that I've told many people the next thing to salvation for me. Um, because yeah. I found true freedom, you know, yeah. after that. And and when I found the freedom, it was on my knees at home, you know, revisiting some notes I'd taken and so on. And really getting to a place where I was digging in and suddenly I got this desire to really dig into not only like theology, church history, and so on. Um, just like, it's like all of a sudden I got it. I, I mean, I, not that I'm there, but understanding the character of God and who God is and that he truly, you know, does love me and loves us and made that huge sacrifice with his son for us. You know, it's just, we hear it, we hear it, we hear it, we hear it in songs, we hear it preached, but it just clicked. Yeah. And um, my relationship with God became, it, it was like somebody poured concrete on the base of my building. Yeah. And um, from that point moving forward, and, and I, you know, I've been through a lot of tragedies since then and a lot of different things, and there was nothing that will move me away um, from my faith in God and who God is. Yeah, I, yeah. So I, yeah, so I, you know, and then I, later on, I started getting involved with the security team and I met some great people there who are still really good friends. Yeah. And um, 
the funny thing is, is like three, three years later, four years later, I'm having coffee with a pastor friend of mine who had taken over the church that I was at before. And um, suddenly after talking to him, it was like, hey, I just got the green light. I feel like God gave me the green light to go back. And I, I went back there and led worship for a few years and mentored up a few more, you know, younger guys that were coming through. And um, it, it was a really good thing. I've actually been at that church three times now. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I moved to Arizona once, you know, and then this. and um, But, yeah, so now, you know, moving forward, um. Uh, I, I guess the whole full circle on this is when I was like looking for you online and I was like, Oh, I wonder what they're doing. And I saw what, what you and your family was doing. Cause I, I, I doubt you ever had any idea on how much of an impact that that no had in my life. Oh, well at the time when you invited us out to your church, no, I had mm-hmm. no idea until that day that you told me this story and yeah. Wow. So yeah, we I want to give you, you to my side out. of the story now, you know, once you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sure. So we invited you to come out and uh uh you came out you yeah, beautiful ministry and um you, you just want I'm gonna rub you guys a little bit. You're wonderful people and I appreciate you. Oh, thanks, man. And I appreciate your um there was a time before that happened where we had a men's ministry meeting at the church and you were leading worship in the um, lobby, just acoustically. And, you know, I guess I can be judgmental, so I don't know. Sometimes there's like that flesh filter. Of course. You know? Oh, yeah. And I've got it. <laughs> that's when I was like, this dude's for real. I, I can I can hang here. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Yeah, so no, I appreciate just, you. I didn't tell you that one, but no, you didn't. I, I will that's not fun. forget that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, like, you know, what's interesting about even hearing all that, Sam, is like, you know, again, maybe just from the my side of the story things like, I, you know, and I genuinely don't. I mean, I feel like I do remember that interaction, but understand, you know, such a larger church like I remembered you, but I had interactions with people all the time and I genuinely wanted to I genuinely prayed over, you know, everybody that would come on our team i think for for reasons like at the church organization that i was at and the one you know the church that you came to we had such high standards of excellence you know like what that looked like to the point that like i really wrestled with like okay this thing we call worship which again, this whole podcast is kind of about like hey where's the church at right now we kind of have this thing called worship let me table that yeah, for right yeah. now, but wrestling deep inside of me of like, <laughs> where's my calling as a pastor? And I absolutely do not ever want to be in a place where I say to somebody, you're not good enough because of some excellent standard that I have. Like, actually, like I really genuinely adopted, <laughs> excuse me. I really and genuinely adopted this approach that, that said to myself, like, if I have to let somebody down, it's probably because we're not good enough for them. Like there's got to be something else that God's calling them to. Now, again, for for example, I think one of the very first ones I had when I came into that church, and again, again, I, I was very blessed. I had the opportunity to build something with an excellence foundation that I could take time in. And so I, I cared for it deeply. Um, but when I first arrived at the church, there was a drummer on the team and, um, this is the nicest guy. I mean, and not only the, like the nicest guy, everybody knew him and he was the kind of guy (laughs) that like had charisma and like, if the pastor went out of town, like he legitimately would say to this guy, Hey, do you have a sermon in your back pocket? Because I need somebody to preach. You know, I'm going on vacation. And this guy would preach. Like, he was good. People loved listening to him. And he was just a likable kind of guy. Well, he played drums on the worship team. But to be honest, Sam, and I don't want to make fun of, I don't want to make fun of people, but okay, I'll just say it like it is. He wasn't very good at drums. Yeah. You know, like, 
And again, I have I have a very like um I have a very tuned ear, you know, and I I've you know, I believe, you know, God brought me through my own history with music and things to expect a level of excellence, but mm-hmm. um but even then, like I also recognize, I mean, there were certain singers that would audition to come on our team and their voice just wasn't the style or what we were going after for, mm-hmm. you know, we were going for scale, ease of song, keeping things youthful. And that alone, that's a whole different ball of wax that I would love to approach in another. I know I will approach in another uh, session uh, because as I'm getting into my mid forties, I recognize how I'm a bridge between generations and how the older generation kind of feels left out sometimes. And I think that's terrible. Uh, and it's all because of this excellence thing that we put on this, but, and, and I'll, I'll say one more little side note. I hated the word auditions. I hated it, <laughs> but I also understood that like people understand that they <clears throat> understand because they watched you know, at least, you know, when I first started, it was American Idol. They watched, you know, The Voice. Um, and so the average person understands a level of excellence that who am I kidding myself? Like if I put somebody on the stage and I'm not saying you're this way, you were this way because you're a great singer. But, you know, the the mindset was like, if I'm not careful about who I'm putting on the stage, I know every single person who comes into this building, they know what it's supposed to sound like because they just watch Simon Cowell talk all about it, you know? So not that that's right. None. Of, I don't feel right about any of that. And I would tell Siobhan, I'm like, I would not eat the day before I would do auditions. And it wasn't because I was fasting. I just was sick to my stomach because I I hated having to tell people no. And so I genuinely like wanted to care <laughs> you know, as best I could. Um, yeah. and, and the long story short about this drummer, for instance, that it was one of the first ones that we had at the church. I ended up sitting him down for lunch and I didn't like go to sit down at lunch with him in order to tell him he wasn't a good drummer, you know? I mean, I, I kind of wanted to find a way out somehow, but I, I wasn't going to do that. You know, I was patient. I knew I'm like, I'm going to be here a long time. We can take as long as we take. And one, something's going to happen. Either he's going to grow as a drummer or he's not, you know? And if he's not, then let's find out where he wants to thrive. I I did remember asking the question, like, so how did you come into playing drums? And his answer was legitimately this. His answer was, well, I had banged around on the drums a little bit when I was in high school, barely played at all. And when the church was looking for a drummer one day, they looked around and they're like, we need somebody to be an usher. Somebody's hand went up. We need somebody to watch kids. Somebody's hand went up. Does anybody here play drums? And everybody looked at me. I didn't even raise my hand. Everybody looked at me and I'm like, well, I, I play a little. And they're like, awesome. Could you play drums for us? <laughs> That's like the mm-hmm. standard. That was the standard of what we expected. And so when I found that out, I was like, well, what does this guy love to do? Because maybe I can help him with that. Because ultimately, like what I was looking for were people who loved to play their instrument and were passionate about growing in that instrument and maybe even had dreams and desires to take that instrument and that craft into a professional level. (laughs) You know, like that's the type of ministry that I wanted to be able to prop up so that we were sending musicianaries into the nations with mm-hmm. you know a little bit of like uh you know it's it's a competitive world out there and so um anyways all that to say that like yeah that that was kind of my background you know uh, you know yeah. bringing that to you and and seeing seeing like i i just cared deeply and and to be honest i mean i i don't necessarily like the way we did it and there is for sure needs to be a big upending in the way we do worship in our churches today. You know, case in point, what are we singing? You know, mm-hmm. like I'm asking this question because for the past, like, you know, three months, I too have been going through yet another pr- precious, healthy deconstructing phase in my life. And it's, 
you know, I got I know that word deconstruction Christianity or whatever has such a negative connotation on it. And I, I'm not that at all. Um, I just got done doing a, a college course called leadership development. And um, and in there, they had us go through like what phase of your ma- maturing level as a leader do you feel you're at? And I really believed that I was at what they would call the life maturing phase. And it's the phase where they described not that I'm at, at all imprisoned or in a place of like torture or persecution like Watchman Nee was, but this person used Watchman Nee as an example. And they said that his ministry had to take a back seat when he was in prison and in isolation. And it was in this time that he chose to ask the Lord and say, God, what are you trying to say to me? I want to listen. And that's simply such a beautiful place to be at. And and so this fall, I, I am honest. Like I, I told Siobhan, I was like, I, some days I just, I just really don't like worship music. And I sometimes despise, and I, I mean, again, it's real. And I sometimes despise, like I'll use heavy, strong words, like leading worship because, and I don't quite know why. Because I love the Lord with all my heart. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't know what's going on. And so to chase the Lord. Well, it was only a few weeks after, a week after that really deep conversation I had with my wife that the Lord gave me a brand new revelation that I know I've had before, but I've never had it in this way. And it was this understanding that like, oh my gosh, like I'm always like, for a worship leader or a worship pastor, for one, that term is a fairly new term within the last 40 years, you know, until support staff ministry became something where vocationally people could like earn an income and make a living like I, like I did. They were just pastors, you know, and that's a beautiful thing for one, for a worship leader mm-hmm. to embrace that. But then for two, you know, in the 70s, when you had like this this Jesus revolution and the charismatic renewal and all this kind of stuff. And the worship industry wasn't even a thought of worship music often include, or I should say new contemporary worship music often included songs that would sing the word of God. They would sing the Bible. And so this was this new revelation. Again, it's not new, but I had a new revelation a couple months ago where I was like, I want to, I want the word of God in my life again. You know, like we've got our society is riddled with depression. They're struggling with where they're, what they're going to do next. We've got a young generation not knowing their calling or their future in life. And they're asking, where's the God of Elijah? And meanwhile, his words are right in front of us. And it's not that we're not like reading them. And we aren't. I mean, if you look at statistics today, like Bible engagement's very down, but it's, it's that we're not reading the word. We're not we're not putting the word of God into us and allowing the voice of God to speak to us through his word, which was such a revelation. And so I just began to like sing the Bible again. And it was mm-hmm. awesome. What are we singing? It's a listener supported podcast. It's a ministry of Trent and Siobhan Ministries, where we teach and train the worshiper and the musicianary. We are so thankful for your support, especially as we come into this new year of 2024, where we are launching some really new projects, specifically under the branch called Worship with the Word. Within this project is new song releases, online courses, and seminars, in our hopes to one day start a school around the worshiper and the musicianary, teaching them the word of God. We're so excited about this. This month, specifically, we have a new single coming out soon called Like Eagles, based on Isaiah 40. But we couldn't do it without you. Your support is so crucial, especially in a time as we're building something new. We need all the prayer and all the help we can get. If you would like to know more, you can follow worshipwiththeword.com or go to trentandshavon.com to contribute. Every little bit counts. Thank you all so, so much.
you know, so, I mean, I, I definitely think that we need kind of a new revelation of what worship ought to be and what we should go after. And it's going to be a slow shift because this worship industry thing is huge, man. I mean, yeah. there is no denying it's, it's easy. And again, I'm not trying to pick here. It's easy to just sing the one that moves us most. That's the newest popular song, you know? Like, uh, and again, usually I'm the one that's saying, I actually kind of love some of these songs. I'd go after them. This, this new song that I'm, I'm going to be, um, uh, this new song praises by elevation. I love it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a reason to praise. Yeah. I, I was telling somebody like, man, if you're a drummer in the church today, you're going to love this song for about a year. And then, you know, next, you know, 2025, you'll be like, yeah. can we get another new fast song? Cause I'm sick of this one, but you know, but yeah, um, so, I mean, I mean, this is a good question as what this podcast is. What are you guys singing? Like, what are the songs that you guys are yeah. doing in church right now? Like what's taking? Well, it's what's... really interesting to me because when, so now my daughter's leading and I'm mentoring and filling in for her, Yeah, you know, when she can't be there, which is probably once a month. But it's interesting to me that she's picking songs that I used to do. And I'm like, you know, this song is 20 years old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, cool. and because and I think there's I something like to it. Songs. I think she you, you understand those songs were written kind of before the industry really took off. Yeah. There is something yeah. that I feel like this younger generation is starting to like spiritually turn their nose up to like this new stuff kind of is bathed in a money-making machine and something just doesn't mm. feel right to my soul in that i want to go back to the faith of my fathers you know that kind of a thing you yeah know? I, i'm kind of cautious and, and i'm sure you are too but you know there's a lot of youtube channels out there with with uh guys you know who are bashing worship you know music that's out there fashion and, worship did you say that yeah that you know they'll um, pick out certain areas and so on in songs and and tear them out and uh, say these people aren't enough of Christ and you oh. know and, and I, I get we have to be careful what's out there there's an entertainment value to it in some ways but yeah, yeah some of these songs that the song that moves me at one time may, may mean absolutely nothing to you you know it, with the situation that I'm in, and I and I believe as long as somebody's moving in the anointing of God, that it could just be a chorus. Yeah, it, it, it could just be something simple. I mean, here recently, I, a friend of mine sent me a, a a remake of "I Dare You to Move" by Switchfoot. But Adam, Adam Doliak is that a country singer? What the? He did I dare it. you to move. I dare you to move. Yeah, Switchfoot, that was Switchfoot that's Switchfoot. Song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but the, it's been redone. Oh, and this he like stripped it down. Oh, cool. And it's just bored, and it's very personal, and it brought tears to me. I mean, I'm like, wait a minute, I know this song. What is this song? <laughs> and yeah. you know, and it brought life to this song. That that song's probably 20 years old. I don't know. Oh, definitely. And, yeah. You know, and here's a guy that is, I don't know where his faith is at or anything. I mean, most of his songs are typical country. You know partying, drinking, and things like that, then boom, this song comes out of him. Wow. And I'm like, you know, I love how he put that together. I, I, I just love it. And something had to move in his life for that to happen. Um, but sure, there's plenty out there to criticize him and everything. But Well, and that's uh, the know. thing, too. It's like I, I have repeated, you know, <laughs> time and time again, like I am not in the mood or have any desire to criticize you know, current worship music or current music. I mean, in a sense, like, yes, there's an element of like, hey, let's let's think deeply about it. But like, for instance, when I think of, um, you know, like when I think of songs that we will probably do for Easter Sunday, you know, this this coming year, um. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've got the big, huge names, the Hill Songs, Elevation, Bethel, and and then these big CCM artists. And everybody tries to get a piece of their pie into the, into the church to sing whatever is the new hit resurrection song. Well, and I'm not trying to go after that culture at all, but I just recognize that like... I'm tracking it. I get it. Yeah. I, I just recognize that like <laughs> I... 
I want to bring some life to that. Like if I know worship leaders and pastors will be doing this song, like I want to try to bring a little depth to that. And so like, for instance, I, I've written a song that I'll be coming out with this next year and it just is the scripture. It's not embellished. I didn't add any of my own creative words to it. You know, and I've kind of said it like this, like I, I got nothing wrong and and I do it too by writing creative music. I love creative music, but for the project worship with the word that I'm doing, like I felt a word of the Lord to not embellish the songs. Like, I don't want to add to it. Like, I just want it to be as it is. And so when I think about like how that is, rather than critique the current worship culture, can I bring life to it where worshipers, worship leaders understand where is that in the Bible? How is that speaking to me? I don't want a carbon copy of the word of God. I want the word of God myself. <laughs> and although the carbon copy is good to play on the Christian radio, to have playing in the car, have in the home when my kids are just mauling around, that's good and all, but that is not my faith. You know, my faith is not contingent upon whatever some other person says about what the word of God says. Like my faith. Hey, that, that is such a good, yeah, bring it. Yeah, it's about what stuff. the word of God. So yeah, yeah. so it's again, I'm like, I'm, I'm not trying to, I don't want to be critical and I recognize mm -hmm. it's easy to be critical, but that's the cheap seats is what I believe. You know, it's like, I don't want that. <laughs> like we can talk, we can critique yeah. songs all day long, <laughs> but you know, it's like, I, oh. I you know, it's like, um, you know, um, I, which I'm going to speak positive. I, I can mention artists by name here probably, right? Oh, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when Shane and Shane came out with that first, you know, the Psalms and so on they were doing, yeah. I could not get enough of that. I still listen to that. Yeah. You know, I have no idea what they've done since then. I really don't. I mean, oh, they're, don't they're huge. They're huge. Um, Whenever Shane but, and Shane write a, you know, put a song out, it's huge, man. Yeah, and then then I see a YouTube video that's saying, "Oh, they this and that," and I'm like, "Don't don't ruin this for me." You know what um, I mean? <laughs> yeah, I got no yeah. desire. Like, well, there's so much there's so much criticism, hatred, and picking that I don't need to add to that. Like, I want to help empower yeah. and inspire people to lead uh, better and to lead absolutely. with a more fullness of what they're what they're a part of. You know, like. Ultimately, like the program I'm putting together, Worship with the Word, it's a it's, a, it's like a, a course, like a college level course that I've put together on our website. It's not out yet. Um actually by the time this airs, it might be out. <laughs> but um the the whole idea here is to equip worship leaders to be bold enough to take the word of God and write it in their way, in their song. Like That's I'm beautiful. doing it. But it's not just for me to do it. It's a, it's a, 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 an appeal to get the psalmists to sing the word of God again. You know, and you know, um, I had said in in uh, as I brought this before our pastor, and you know, he was he gave just a, such a great thumbs up to it. He loved the whole idea. I'd said, you know, I think a good five year plan that I would like to have. Like this is a huge lofty ideal. But that would be that in every church across the world, and I should say along the contemporary types of churches, I, and I'd love to ask you how you guys do yours, but for the most part, like churches, they 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 kind of say, well, you know, let's have an upbeat song, let's have a, you know, a worshipful <laughs> song, and then let's have a hymn, you know, it's like, you know, for why do we create those those assumptions? I don't know, but I would prefer that if we have to have that, then I would love to have the word of God sung in somewhere as a regular. Yeah. Like that becomes like a standard. Like, hey, let's not just do whatever new Brandon Lake song is out there just because he wrote it. Yeah. Um, let's let's sing the word of God. And actually, like if you want, you know, if you want to do that Brandon Lake song, that's great. But where is that in the word? And can we put that word into people's mouth? You know, um, yeah, hundred percent. Uh, well, let me that, go ahead. Sorry. I was, I was going to ask you another question, but go for it. Yeah. No, I was just going to add to that. that um, one thing I think that was beautiful about when I, when I started going to your church back then, 
Well, I think it's really important on that note that a church have its own identity too, kind of within that realm of songs that they do. And there were songs written by your team that yeah. were part of, that were personal to the church, you know, too. And we have the same thing at our church, you know, and uh, and it's funny because there's songs I wrote 25 years ago that my daughter would be like, oh, I want to do this one. I said, well, oh, yeah, I'd say, you know, I wrote that one. She's like, what? Okay. <laughs> she just grew up with it, you know, and it was something familiar, but it's something that brought identity within the church. And those were very heavy scriptural based, um, you know, off of, you know, one one scripture would jump out at me and I'd run with it, just basically a real chorus, strong thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's so critical what you're bringing up there because doing the, when I talk to my daughter, I'm like, yeah, there's no, you're not going up there just to sing songs. Anybody can just go out and sing songs, you know, yeah, this is an appointment by God, you know, this, this is something big. And if you're just going up and singing songs, then everybody else is just going to sing the songs. Yeah. You know, without much behind it. And it, it's very empty, you know, whether, you know, I love some of the new stuff out there. Some of it you mentioned and I love doing it, you know, I love, I love them. you know, I, I don't know. I, I can, I probably saying gratitude so many times in my office, my wife would want to throw bricks at my head. <laughs> and, <laughs> throw bricks at my head and praise you again. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And it's uh I don't know where I was totally going with that other than I, I love the identity of that, bringing it back to the scripture and also that tying that into where, where is that church at now? You know, where's your, where's the direction? Where's that? You know, I know as a body as a whole with Christ, we're all doing that. We're all parts of the body. And uh, there's so many different churches because there's so many different personalities and characters out there and those characteristics of a church, like where I'm at now in a very small church, you know, it's some of these big songs just won't work there. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, but you know what, I, you know what I find at least along church history is the majority. I'm sure you could find one or two that aren't, but the majority <laughs> of every revival that's ever been in history has always been a preceded has always been preceded by prayer and the pursuit of the word of God. You know, awesome. you're talking about even before Jesus, yeah. you know, walked the earth you have the stories of how Ezra brought the word of God back and how uh, Joash, you know, brought the, the Torah back out and, and how the people wept because they're like, oh, this is this is what we've needed. And I know it seems silly because we'll sing a song that has portions of the scripture in it, but then it's like different. There's a little few things added to it. But there is something remarkably spiritual that I can't wrap my head around when I just open the word of God and let the Lord speak, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm not trying to add to it. I'm just hearing his voice. And I recognize that that's not always practical. Like, you know, hey, church today, we're going to be singing out of Leviticus today. Well... Okay, I get it, right? That that's hard. <laughs> Turn but, the page four hundred and. <laughs> but I, yeah. So I mean, I definitely have a revelation of this, and you know, it kind of was birthed out of like you know being in Kona, being around their prayer room. We would do something called worship with the word, and actually really loved it because it it was not intended at all to be, um, like a a worship <laughs> service as we would think you know, where there's somebody who leads people in song, like the whole point to these prayer sets and worship with the word was to minister to the Lord. So we would curate, you know, a schedule of worship leaders and musicians to minister before the Lord in the prayer room hour after hour after hour to keep the, the spiritual flame burning even if there were no people in the room. And in fact, most of the time when there's no people in the room mm. and the spiritual discipline, I guess that that's attached to like, I, I frankly loved it, you know, for a good year, Siobhan and I would, we would, you know, obviously it was nicer because we would just walk to it. It wasn't far away from where we lived, but, but at 6am we would go and, you know, 530 we'd get up, 
walk out the door and we would go lead a worship with the word time for an hour. And then we'd come back, wake up the kids, get them to school and everything. It was just part of our morning. Well, that's big. there's so many times that there'd be nobody there. And in fact, it's kind of the easier times because then, you know, we're just playing music and ministering to the Lord. So that's beautiful. So I recognize that like there's there's just got to be ways where we're pursuing this more. I feel like I very much have a an urgency of, uh, over bringing us back to um back to the Bible again. So yeah. Well, man, I, 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 those those times you talk about alone um you know, fortunately, you know, small church i got kids in the church and all that i will stop by all lights off everything you know and i I might have just a stage light on and read some scripture and you know and that's like uh that's like sitting in daddy's lap you know it is you know it's it's, uh and then and then you just and then just start you know picking or strumming and you know, the Lord will lay some things on it. Usually it's just giving him glory from what I just read or something's yeah. laid on my heart. And, um, then somebody will come knocking on the door. Are you okay in there? <laughs> no. Well, but you know, like we've, I've, you know, and it, I've, I did a, a recent uh, interview with one of my mentors, Kevin Norris, who said some pretty <laughs> profound stuff that I think you'll really like, but you know, kind of realizing that like i feel like this generation has lost at least in america we have lost the uh, the assumption of something very special attached to worship prayer the sanctuary and the house of the lord you know uh they become they've become very functional spaces not sacred spaces does that make sense and yeah, worship absolutely. has become a lifestyle mm-hmm. and not a not a special time you know a special that's, that's really funny because i can be in a restaurant and i and i'll do it solitary i'll look across restaurants that guy over there is a worship leader <laughs> and I'd say just by the, the way they're dressed and what they're you know that's funny yeah and it that's funny you say it becomes a lifestyle as in, you know, maybe the lifestyle becomes more important than the actual getting down to the word. Yeah. Well, again, you know, I like, I'm just, I'm, I'm cautious. I don't want to be critical, but I'm cautious about how much the industry of worship is affecting a pastor's um, intentionality to draw people to God, draw people to the heart of God. Now it should be doing that, but are we aware of maybe, um, you know, how we can do it better, you know, it's little things like that, but, um, well, okay. I, we got to finish this up, man, because I, I love it. I love it. It just means that like, it means one of two things, either I talk way too much and conversations are great and I'm totally unaware, or it means we're having tons of fun and we just got to do this again. <laughs> Okay. But I, I got to ask you, because I asked you this ahead of time, like, do you have any like funny stories or anything that is just something we can get a good laugh at? Because we've all been there. We've all had these moments in ministry and they're just the best conversation pieces. Do you have any stories like that for us? Uh, yeah. So uh, I was invited to lead worship at a, a regional men's conference it was kind of at a, a lodge in a camp in uh, Wisconsin. And um, I mentioned to them, since we we're going to be in Wisconsin in the woods, I said, Hey, I chainsaw carver too, you know, and uh, maybe I'll do a carving. They said, sure, we'll set up a schedule. You can, you know, do that. And the guys will love to see that, you know? And uh, then uh, after that, we'll have our worship session. And it's like, okay, so, um, head over there and uh, we're going through the day and it was time for me to start doing my carving which you know I was doing a quick carve so within an hour I was going to carve a bear or something like that and um, so I'm in my car hearts mat and everything right and uh, boots and everything and uh, carving away going crazy because I had to get it done fast so wood chips oil everywhere 
And I, I'm just about to finish. And the guy directing the camp says, hey, we've got you leading worship in five minutes. I said, what? <laughs> five minutes? I said, but I had my saw still in my hand. I said, and I'm in my car hearts and everything else. And my guitar is in there already. I said, well, let's do this. And so I went up, grabbed the guitar, sawdust all over me, a mess. And said, all right, guys, it's time for us to be manly men. I'm up here in my man glitter sawdust. And uh, we, I led worship with uh, sawdust and a mess all over me and my car hearts and boots and my hat on backwards. And uh, it ended up being a great night. <laughs> it, ended up being, it, it was quite touching that night. The spirit was moving in a mighty way. And uh, to be honest with you, they were loud enough to where I couldn't even hear myself. So it was perfect. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, those moments are truly amazing. That's so funny, though, because, yes, there's probably no better way to feel like, like, they probably felt like connect with you even more. You're like, he's one of us. He just got them working on a check. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, how much time do you need? Uh, well, we're here. You guys don't mind me being a mess. I'm going to leave a trail. And that's exactly what I did, but it, it it was a great it was a great time, great group of guys, and uh, actually some came up and jumped on a mandolin, and another one on something else. We just had a great night of music after worship too, so it was a lot of fun. Well, Sam, so, awesome, man. Thanks for spending some time with us and uh, joining us for what are we singing uh, next week? We'll do another song dive and. Um, and we're having so much fun. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you later. Hey, thank you so much. Guys, so good. I just love it. Sam, if you're hearing this, I just want to say thanks again, buddy. You're amazing. I can't wait to get out to your church again. Hopefully this spring, summer, we'll see. Um, and any other churches out in the Michigan area would be amazing. Hey, guys, just wanted to say thanks so much once again for staying with us on this podcast for this long. Next week, I need to do another song dive. I want to do another song dive. But I'm stuck between these two songs. Either I want to talk about the song This Is Our God by Phil Wickham, or I want to talk about the song, or I want to talk about the song Take You at Your Word by Corey Asbury. I don't particularly love either of these songs. So there's a, maybe a reason why I need to be very careful not to be too critical about these. But there's important things because the reality is, is I see these songs gaining so much traction in the charts. And so I feel the need and the responsibility as a father in this worship world to go before it and give help to it. How can you lead these well? So I would love to hear from you. What song would you like me to talk about next week? Leave your responses on our Facebook or our X channel because I really, really would love your help helping me to figure out what are we singing? 